I'm Dr. Montserrat Andres. Welcome to Hey Doc Podcast, a space where we chat, laugh, and share stories of Black, Indigenous, and POC healthcare providers. We inspire young folks to become doctors, deepen connection in our community, and dive into the complexities of our stories. This podcast is designed to be listened to, watched, liked, and shared. While you're listening, pop over to Instagram and TikTok to see photos, quotes, and these doctors busting a move. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and please leave us a review. All right, let's get started. Love Jones, kick us off with a beat. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, I would love to start with um, you saying your full name. Um, And if there is a difference, if you could say your full name the way your family would say it, or people that love you, Mm -hmm. um, and then the way that you say it professionally when you're like introducing yourself at like an event. Got it, okay. Um, so my name is Hugh Pham. Uh, the way that my family calls me, the way it's pronounced in Vietnamese is Hugh Pham. Um, and yeah, I just introduced myself uh, to patients and at events as Hugh. So I just go by, by just Hugh. Yeah. Just Hugh. Yeah. Well, I go by Dr. Hugh because um, I'm a little bit younger and I look young, you know, so the doctor kind of is just like the formal professional thing the first name makes it a little bit more casual uh since i am younger you know uh, i do like to keep things casual and and more of a friendship type of thing with uh with my patients so i try to do first name as much as i can yeah i agree um it's interesting that you say that because uh, i had a really hard time with the power dynamic separation of being called doctor, whatever. Yeah. You know, it, um, at least in Latin American culture, like that really separates you from the people that you're around or working with. Right. Some people really like that. And I was always like, no. Yeah, so I, I agree. It carries a lot of dynamics. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So next, will you please share with us your pronouns? and your intersections. So whatever you want um, those intersections to be. So like where your family is from, you already told us um, they're Vietnamese, but um, whether you're able-bodied, gender, sex, um, and any hobbies. Yeah, so um, so my pronoun is he, right? Is that, what, is that the question? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, he and uh, I am Vietnamese and Chinese. So my mom is Chinese, my dad's Vietnamese, but they were both born in Vietnam. Um, um, and how about hobbies? Um, hobbies, uh, so I actually um, have been breakdancing since I was 12. Um, so that's a big part of my life, yeah. How did you get into breakdancing? So both of my brothers do it as well. Um, so my older brother was kind of the first person to do it, and then my younger brother, and then I was the last one. Um, so I kind of just followed them, but uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then will you please share with us uh, the type of doctor that you are and what your focus is or things that you like in your profession? So I'm a dentist. Um, I graduated from OHSU in Oregon in 2015. Um, and one of the things that I really enjoy about dentistry is just um, there's a there's an artistic side to it. Um, so like when a patient comes in, the front tooth is broken. Um, I get the ability to recreate what they had before or improve it, right? So there's an artistic side to it. And even in the back where they maybe are less concerned about the way it looks, um, if there's a tooth that breaks or if there's an issue where the tooth is worn down, I'm able to rebuild that. So for me, I kind of bring the dance background that I had growing up and I apply it to dentistry. And so that's one thing that I really enjoy about dentistry, just being able to blend both of my passions. Yeah, so. that's awesome. How did you choose dentistry? Um, exactly that. So, uh, so I had no interest until um, I started to really enjoy science when I was in college. Um, I just really enjoyed like learning how things work in general. Yeah. Um, and so for me, uh, I was really looking for something, a career that I felt like would blend um, art and science together. Um, and uh, my aunt uh, is actually a dentist. So I kind of just started shadowing her and and just getting more um, experience in the field and seeing what it is. And um, that's what made me interested in, that's what made me pursue it. So it was really um, finding a good blend of art and science. Do you, was there like a particular moment where you were like, oh, I am totally doing dentistry or was it kind of like a slow growth into it? Um, I would say that there's there was a slow growth into it. Um, because in college I chose it, but I was mainly dancing. So, um, I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, like just figuring out how to manage my time wisely through midterms, through, through finals, through projects and just planning to, to go to different events in different States, you know? So I would, I, every term, that's actually what I did. I like every term, you know, um, at Portland state, it was 10 weeks. Um, I'd get my schedules, I'd get my midterms and my finals and, my projects and I would map out, Oh, when could I potentially do an event? And, um, you know, I would schedule in practices and, um, it actually really taught me how to manage my time wisely. And the same thing in dental school too. So it was definitely, um, that's a very good question for me, I feel like, cause it, to me, it was a, a definite slow growth um, as far as the passion goes. Like I, I didn't love dentistry as a freshman in college. And I didn't love dentistry as a first year in dental school, but towards the end, towards the time that I graduated, that's when I started to love dentistry. Um, so I'm super curious about um, how you decided to intermix dance while you were studying, um, because I got, the way that I tried to hack it was that I got my degree in dance and I did all of my electives as my sciences because I didn't trust that I would have the discipline um, that you did. Like, I'm super excited to know <laughs> that you were yeah. able to do that. Um, were there times where you felt like you should stop dancing or were, was it kind of pretty yes. clear that you were going to keep going? hundred percent. Yeah. There was definitely times that like, um, I had to slow down on dancing, you know, and there was definitely times that I had to focus on school. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it was kind of just like a teeter totter of balance. You know, it was, it was difficult because there were some times when I was like, just questioning, like, especially first year in dental school, that's when I really questioned, like, is this really what I want to do? You know, because it was crazy. It was just crazy. Like the amount of work and um, the amount of mental capacity you needed to like survive um, just the difference. It was just like a shock, you know? And um, throughout those years, I feel like I slowly started progressing in my dance and it was just, it was kind of a hindrance uh, as far as like having school to deal with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, man, what is this distraction that I'm, I'm putting myself through? Like, that's why I didn't, I really like love dentistry yet. And so, yeah, it was difficult. Um, but I tried my best to find balance and it was definitely difficult. Uh, it was nice that I had a significant other throughout the whole process that, uh, you know, really, really, um, just supported me in general. Um, so yeah, I think it was just like not sleeping, like <laughs> it was not sleeping. And, um, it was just like trying to lots of time in the library, like hyper-focused in the library because the other thing is I'm not like, um, when I went to dental school, I know I, I wasn't like the smartest person, you know, like I wasn't the smartest person, but I was the hardest working person. Yes. So like, in, in college, I was able to like read through the textbooks. Um, but in dental school, that was a lot harder. And so it was, it was a struggle. It was definitely a, a huge struggle for me, but like, I think, um, and I'm sure you can agree with this. I think just coming from like a multicultural background where your family, um, you know, uh, had to work hard, you know, I think that really like that left like a long lasting impression on me. And so it made me just like work harder, you know, um, I definitely worked very hard uh, because I wasn't the smartest person in class. I was never the smartest person in class. I was, I would say that I was, I would have to work at least twice as hard as everyone else. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of just started rambling. It absolutely <laughs> does. And actually it touched on so many, th I was like, oh my gosh, like trying to keep my fingers in order. I'm like, go back to that, go back to that, go back to that. Um, you know, one of the things I think that I also experienced was the shock of that first term um, in chiropractic school. And it sounds and it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but I felt like what I needed to learn that term was like, could I take a shower every day? Yeah. Would I get adequate meals? Yeah. Like, um, did I brush my teeth? Like it, it reduced me to such question of basics. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first term like? It sounds exactly like how your first term was like, just trying to survive, you know, like, yeah, I just remembered like, it was just so different because I couldn't, I, I had to like kind of adapt to, to not having time. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like time is so valuable, you know, like every, every year of every like moments, like through college and through dental school and after, I feel like time is the most valuable thing. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's hard because that first year, um, you know, in your professional school, it's like, it's just a shock of, you just don't have time anymore, you know? And like, yeah. I think that's what makes it so, uh, so rewarding to be able to get through it because, um, you know, like I said, like 
if you're like the smartest person in class, you can just listen, boom, you just absorb it. I wasn't like that at all. I couldn't absorb anything. Like it was, it was, I had to work, I had to work at least twice as hard, you know, and just trying to juggle dance. And I think every time that's the thing, like every time you kind of go through a life change, dance becomes less of a priority because it has to, but then you start to appreciate dance more, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, um, just every, every time I go through a life change, I feel like I appreciate dance more and I may be, I may be dancing less, but the time is just more precious. Um, I don't know if you know, but I don't know if like, this is all like, okay for me to just kind of start talking like this, but, um, but I recently just had a a kid too, like, um, the baby is 12 weeks now. And so that was a, that was the last uh, big life change for me. And so. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Daddy um, Hugh, Dr. Hugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's that, that was the, the latest life change for me. And I think um, just everything that I've gone through, I think it just helps me kind of like balance and like time management is always like so important. You know, I think no matter what, like no matter what you do, whether it's dance or whether it's, I don't know, whatever hobby you have, right? But I think it's also as it's also important to have that hobby as well. So yeah, um, what I hear a lot from um, what you're saying is like how much one informs the other. Um, and I completely agree. You know, I think. Um, did you ever feel like when you were in school, were there two separate parts of your identity? Or did you share it freely when you were in school that you were also dancing? Um, which, uh, do you mean like college or like dental school? Um, I guess either. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt like I had two identities. Yeah. I felt like, um, because I would have the dance community, you know, and I would have my dance friends and I would have people that I practice with. And then I would have my school community. I would have like my fellow colleagues, classmates, students, you know, and I would study with them and I would, and I would go through everything with them. And I would like, talk to them about issues that I had or like questions or like we'd have like study groups, you know? So I definitely grew up throughout high school, college and dental school in two identities. And I think it wasn't really until I think that that led to me just blending both after. I think that's, that's why I kind of felt like, you know, it was nice for me to be able to blend, blend both after um, dental school, because after dental school, I was working, um, I was working at multiple jobs, you know, I was working um, in a corporate job. I was working at an emergency place. I worked for my aunt for a little bit. Um, and uh, I just wanted to get more, like, I just didn't, I didn't want to just like clock in, you know, yeah. That's why I really appreciate what you're doing right now. And like everything you told me about how you wanted to go into schools. And because I think it's just, it's just so important to be, be passionate about what you do and like for it to, to translate to like outside of just seeing your patients. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was uh, doing the startup. Uh, so I designed the floor plan. My wife picked out all the finishes and we kind of like designed the patient experience. And for me, that was like the blank canvas, you know, yeah. it was the blank canvas for us to, uh, to just create a new uh, patient dental experience. 
Um, yeah. When you think about that, what does that mean for you? Like, what changes have you made to create a new experience for people? Um, well, the the one um, common denominator for every single patient is they hate. Well, I don't know if everyone hates going to the dentist, but <laughs> it's definitely not everyone's favorite thing. You know, I love um, going to the dentist. Yeah, that's why I was like, <laughs> your mom's a dental hygienist. I'm sure you love going to the dentist. So there are people. Maybe that's not the right thing to say. I think the right thing to say is there's a lot of people that have dental anxiety for good reason, right? And so some things that we do is we try to make it feel like you're not at a dental office. There's a TV on the ceiling, um, you know, there's heat massage dental chairs. We were doing blankets for a little bit too. We're not really doing that anymore because of COVID. Um, but uh, just making it feel like you're not at the dental office and um, just doing things where it's like full transparency, uh, full transparency when you need something. So like I take pictures of issues, you know, I spend time like going over like, oh, this is the reason, this is what I'm seeing, you know, and then just breaking things down into, you know, level of urgency as well when I see something that's an issue and letting them decide. Um, just different, you know, like just from A to Z, like thorough, thoroughly thought out. Um, to me, that was kind of like the blend of art and and my profession as well you know just being able to do that so i've it's been a lot of work but i've definitely enjoyed it yeah yeah it's interesting that you say that because i agree like there's these kind of additional steps that we can take that um really help people be fully informed and have full agency in the decisions that they're making yeah for you know for their health and for their body and um Sometimes I think, you know, that saying that like a master can make a very complicated subject understandable to like a child, right? And I think about that a lot with patients, you know, I'm like, if they're not understanding something, it's because I'm not doing a job of um, explaining the background of things just enough for them to realize how I've arrived to something. You know? um, have you ever had to have those conversations with patients in any of the other languages you speak? Yes, I have. It's very difficult. My Vietnamese has gotten better. Yeah. So like, um, it's, it's hard. It's really hard because, uh, I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't grow up like, I, like I can speak it, but I'm not like, it's not like everyday conversation for me, you know? Yeah. Like I grew How do you up, say incisor in Vietnamese? <laughs> I don't know. Right? Don't it's know. like, ah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've, I've learned um, I've learned how to, like, explain basic things along the way. What's nice is I have a, a, a hygienist that is Vietnamese that speaks better Vietnamese than me. So that kind of helps. I, I just let her translate for me sometimes. But I also try, you know, like, I like, I, I like trying, um, even though, like, I can't thoroughly you know like i speak a little bit of spanish and so when i have somebody that like doesn't speak english that well i, I try you know yeah. like even if it's just like oh can you open can you close bike down like those type of things mm -hmm. see you next see you at your next appointment you know those it makes such a huge difference yeah yeah um, i know it's really humbling for me as well because even though i grew up in mexico city very similar to what you're saying you know my Spanish is familial Spanish, right? Yes. It's like, that's, that's the word. And like order a sandwich Spanish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, I'm not, I, you know, one of the first things that I had to try to translate was hamstring. And I was like, oh. yeah. Okay. yeah I, <laughs> I actually don't know. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it's it is it's super humbling, and at the same time, um, I have found that people have been really gracious, and you know they'll they'll roll with me trying to figure out how to stumble through certain things, and then teach me words, and I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, because I can get along just fine in general, but you start getting into medical terminology and. It's um, especially on the fly, you know, because if we were doing it every single day, we would probably get a lot better at it. But, um, you know, the three times a year that I'm yes. doing visits in Spanish only, I'm like, yeah. oh, this is going to be really humbling. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's tough, like, because, yeah, for me, like, I really just spoke enemies to my parents and, like, my family. And so even uh, even going back to Vietnam, like it helps me improve my Vietnamese, you know. And so, uh, and I've gone I've gone back a few times, but uh, but yeah, it's just yeah. So I, I think it's it's definitely something that's important to to be able to to do, but it's tough. It's definitely tough. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so you mentioned earlier that your aunt is also a dentist yes are there any other doctors in your family uh just her yeah just her and it's um uh it's my aunt-in-law so um but yeah just her i can't think of anybody i think it's just her yeah, yeah. um how do you feel in your community when um you have to say that you're a doctor or people find out that you're a doctor um kind of makes me uncomfortable to be honest with you <laughs> Uh, I think I still kind of want to just, I, even like when I talk to um, like the labs that I have to communicate with or like just like vendors in general, like mm-hmm. I don't really like being called Dr. Fam, you know, like yeah. just call me to you. Yeah. <laughs> I still like, don't like, uh, like, I don't know. There, It's like what we were talking about earlier. I know that there's some people that they like, it's that separation that I don't really like, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I don't know. I like, I'll work as hard as I can to provide the best care that I can, but um, I, I like to I like to think of myself as like as as a, a friend as much as I can to the patients that I see, you know. And so, um, so yeah, sometimes I get a little bit uncomfortable um, just with the title. Um, it's just not something I, I've ever really preferred. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And even even with someone that like. Uh, my wife always always like makes fun of me, but like when I have to tell someone I'm a dentist, I feel a little uncomfortable, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. What do you think, or where do you think that discomfort comes from? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, do you feel the same way or is it just me? No. Maybe, yeah. it's, our, maybe it's our background, you know? Yeah. Um, just talking to you, I feel like, Maybe maybe we just are just humbling people. I don't know. You know, like I don't know. Like I want to help people, but I also don't want to like have this title. Yeah, I feel the same way. I want all the knowledge yeah. that comes with it. Definitely. Like I'm very proud of like exactly what you said. Like endless hours of poring over books and like 
notes and lectures and you know um i expect a lot out of the care that i provide my patients yeah um i feel like i'm honored by their trust and you know putting the trust of your being and you know to work with somebody like i that's a huge honor and um i really take that very seriously and so all the things that make someone a doctor and make someone a good doctor, in my opinion, are there. Um, and then the part that I don't like is um, the hierarchy and the power dynamics that it brings mm -hmm. with people. Um, and so I've tried to figure out like different ways of separating that, you know, but um, at the same time, I think part of the reason we're uncomfortable is because we it's not as normalized that dancers that have really highly artistic sides are able to also be great doctors, you know, like we don't see a lot of examples of it, which is why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just I, I keep um, remembering one of my best friends husbands told me you need to tell people you're a doctor because people need to see you for who you are mm. and I was like Oof, you know um and but I think for me like immediately it's like well but will that get infected but by whatever they feel it means to be a doctor and will they separate themselves from me at that point because of it or you know not be comfortable being there themselves or whatever right um and the dance company that i danced with in new mexico i would say um gosh so many of those dancers went on to become lawyers and phds and masters in education and like really um well-educated people uh, besides being dancers, and there's something about when we come back together and we're just each other, you know, we're, we're not our professional selves, we're our, the core of who we really are, especially as artists. Um, I know we all feel the most comfortable in that setting. Yeah, and this is actually like, it's, it's nice that you bring that up because I've always felt that anybody that um, does any type of dance they have like that strong work ethic you can't just it's not like you can't just like you can't just wake up and and say hey i'm gonna just spend five minutes dancing today and i'm gonna be good <laughs> you have to dedicate time right like you have to and like that time that you dedicate that passion like and you have to be passionate right like no dancer is not passionate, like and no good dancer <laughs> is not passionate about what they do right yeah. and so to me i've always felt that like if you're a dancer, if you're a true, like, I don't want to say like true dancer, but like, if you like really like passionate about your dance and like you work hard at it, you can apply that to anything, literally anything. exactly what you said, like PhD lawyers, you know, like you can apply it to any field. And if you apply that same passion and, and obviously the important part is making sure you apply it to something you're passionate about. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the beauty of it because I also feel like a dancer, somebody that has like, or everything into their dance isn't going to choose something they're not happy about because that makes them happy, right? So I think anybody that's a dancer can apply themselves in any field and be successful. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because it's just like it's it's the hardest like 
it, it just requires so much like passion and like strong work ethic, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're your own coach too. That's the other thing. Most of the time you're your own coach. It's not like, uh, like, you know, like football or basketball, not, not to downplay that, but like they, they have like, like in, I played basketball for a little bit in high school and it's like, it's way more structured to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and so I think dance is a little bit more independent, yeah. which requires more effort. So. I agree. When somebody tells me that they're a dancer, I feel like there's a bullet point of things that yeah. I know about them and the kind of things that I can expect. Yeah. You know? And work ethic is definitely on the top of that list. Work ethic and discipline. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, they're just givens with the demands of what we know, you know, similar um, with musicians. Yeah. You know, because... Yeah. They're also another group that has to really put in like countless hours just, and you just have to decide that that's what you're going to do. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, let me peek in here. Oh, you know what I didn't ask you? What were your favorite study snacks? Yeah, so um, the one thing that I still love is Sour Patch Kids. I don't know if that's <laughs> I don't know if that's considered uh, considered snacks, but that's something that I always ate. Yeah, it was like I, I actually have a huge bag right now that, that my wife bought me that's in my office, and uh, I'll just eat some in between patients. And so that that was always uh, that was the first thing that came to mind when you asked about study snacks. It kept me going. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Mm, I know. It's, how are we uh, gonna look for? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's my thing. Like for everything, for movies, for um, studying, you know. Right now, uh, Sour Patch Kids is my thing. Nice. Um, What about drinks? Do you have any favorite drinks? Um, I can't think of anything right now. Yeah, I can't think of anything. Really, just um, Sour Patch Kids. Just Sour, just sour Patch Kids and yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> to make Sour Patch Kid Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and what kind of music did you listen to when you were studying? Um, so even now, like, I'm really big on, like, R&B. Like, alternative R&B, you know? Um. I don't know why, but I just really like R&B music. Like, I mean, like with breaking, like I listen to, to breaks too, but um, I've always kind of, I've always liked, uh, liked R&B. And so my Spotify playlist is always just like random, like new R&B songs that I've discovered. So yeah, yeah. Um, did you, was music helpful when you were studying or did it make you want to dance? It definitely made me want to dance, but I think it was also, it also helped me focus too. Yeah. So music was always, I think music was always helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's see. Oh, if you think about all of your intersections as your culture, right? So all the parts of you, um, what's your favorite thing about your culture? Um, can you elaborate a little bit more? Yeah. So like if you think of, um, either 
you being uh, Vietnamese Chinese or if you think of yourself um, in terms of you as a dancer or uh, you as a dentist, like all of the little bits that make you you, are there any things about any of those cultures um, that you prefer or that you really like? Um, I think I like them all equal. Yeah, if that's a if that's an okay answer, because I think yeah. I think every everything you mentioned kind of makes me who I am, yeah. you know. And so, like, you can't remove one or heighten a different one because it'll be a different person. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I can't just be a dentist without dance because of the way I approach dentistry. It's kind of related to how I grew up dancing, and I can't have dance or dentistry without the way I was raised with, you know, the culture that I was raised in and, and just the, the belief and like the ethics system and all of that. I feel like all of it is intertwined and all of it is equally as important. Yeah. Did you have any instructors um, that shared any of your identities? Like did any of your instructors dance? No, no. I. I actually met one dentist that also dances breaks. From the what? UK. Yeah, he's from the UK. Oh my he's gosh! Uh, of course, it's got to be like way on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and um, yeah. So I've I've talked to him a little bit, but uh, yeah, he also, I think he also kind of approaches it from like an artistic side of things. I think he does he does a lot of like cosmetic work, you know, um, and all. I think also like dance is a pretty big part of his life. Like before COVID hit, he was trapped. He was, I think he was actually like breaking more than, than how much I am right now. Um, he was traveling and doing big competitions in Europe. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, if it hadn't been for COVID, would you have tried to arrange meeting? Um, there was, there was kind of a time when I was talking to him about like maybe taking like a, like a continuing education course over there or something, you know, he, he like teaches too. So he teaches like courses um, and he dances and, and he works as a dentist as well. But, um, and then there was also like a point in time when I had a friend uh, that was in the UK that was trying to set up like an exhibition uh, battle between me and him. So I don't know how serious it was, but it was definitely like something that was talked about. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I thought about it, but, it never really happened. Yeah. I've never been to Europe, so. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be a great trip. Yeah. He's been to the U.S. a couple times for some bigger competitions, so I guess I could have, like, met him there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it never happened. Right. Now I'm too busy I'll to be keep my fingers crossed on that one for you. Yeah. yeah. I recently, um, like, last week, found out that there is a sports chiropractic dancer up in Toronto. Oh. Also, a woman of color, and been, like really turned in, turned on to her social justice and activism work. So she started um, a BIPOC dance medicine um, directory, and so somebody re recommended me for it. So that's how we met. But I was when I looked up her bio, I was like, oh my gosh! And it's funny because I got excited about seeing her bio the way that I had kind of envisioned or hoped that 
people would turn and tune into this podcast and like see their identities reflected, you know, yeah. and just get super jazzed about that. So I looked and I was like, oh my gosh, she's a woman of color. Oh my gosh, she does dance medicine. She's a chiropractor, you know, and I was, it was hilarious. I was sitting there and I was like, all right, that, that is what it feels like when you, when you find somebody that you're like, we share so much and it feels like there aren't that many of you out there, but even if it's one, and even if it's in another country, like, I don't care. It makes me feel like fortified to know that she's right. in the world, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Did any of your um, professors, uh, were any of them Vietnamese Chinese? Um, I don't think so. Now that I, now that I think about it, um, yeah, in, in dental school, I don't think there was any that was Chinese, maybe Chinese. I think there was maybe like, there's maybe a few that were Chinese, but I don't think there was any Vietnamese. Yeah. How about in your class? There were, yeah, there were some Vietnamese and Chinese. Yeah, that's cool. For sure. Yeah, um, you know, one of the things that I was telling you about putting this podcast together is that I really um, just feel like an urgency to try to get more of our young folks to become doctors, and um, for all the reasons that you mentioned, you know, for all the reasons that the how we spread out into the community and the people we can serve. Right. And um, I'm curious, like if you have any ideas of ways that we could do that or what would have to happen for these numbers to change? Um, I feel like one thing that you had mentioned when we first met was um, going into the schools, you know, and, and just like meeting people and introducing yourself to people. I think that's definitely like, just like awareness, you know, like just, just like spreading awareness in general, like having a podcast, you know, having both uh, interviews like this in like podcast form and video form. Yeah. And um, obviously kids aren't in school right now, but that was a great idea to me, you know, because um, when I was, because uh, uh, I was throwing um, events, um, uh, dance events pretty regularly, like every three months, a few years, like in dental school. And one thing that I did was, I held free dance workshops at high schools and I went to multiple high schools to promote the events, but also to just do um, free dance workshops. And I feel like that increased the amount of people that danced and, and it kind of increased the, the dance community in general and it helped to build up the, the breaking community um, at the time in Portland, you know, yeah. but, uh, but so, so that's something that um, I think you're kind of on the right track with your thinking. You know, I think that's really how you spread. It's just, it's about spreading awareness. Mm -hmm. um, it's about being in front of people, right? Because if they don't know about you, then how, how will it happen, right? That's, that's how I feel. So I think that to me, like, I think that was like a, a great idea. It's just COVID happened and, and now kids are in school. Yeah. I know, I was so close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then now you're doing this podcast, you know, and I think, um, I think podcasts are, are definitely on the rise and and um, you know I, I've never heard this. This sounds like a one of a kind type of podcast. So yeah, yeah, I'm hoping so. And um, I know I was really excited. You know, anytime that I kind of go through the list and see people, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I super want to talk to this person and see what's going on in their life. And 
um, you know, what their experience has been. And I am hopeful that um, it just helps to unite us, even though, especially as professionals, we tend to be really in a room with patients all day, right? And so we're not really in a huge position to, um, especially right now with COVID-19, um, to be in the same spaces and be able to chat and mingle and, um, you know, and especially because all of us have kind of like our hobbies or interests outside, you know, um, I don't know when I would venture into a cipher <laughs> because it would be really bad. Although, oh my gosh, they're, um, one of the directors of a dance company in New Mexico in Albuquerque, um, he did a battle once with a break dancer. And so it was flamenco against break dancing. That's cool. It was rad, I have That's to say. Awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it is possible, but... <laughs> but yeah, the odds that we would kind of see each other outside of an intentional space, yeah. you know, are are slim. Like, right, you have um, a family that you're being attentive to now, plus like all of the needs of your practice. Um, I'm curious, though, in your practice, how did you learn to hire? What are the things that you've learned about hiring people? It's the worst part. I hate hiring. <laughs> interviews is definitely the hardest part yeah so i just um like everything i kind of just uh i mean i have like a network of like i have like a community of dentists that i ask questions uh you know like people that kind of came before me um and not just like with hiring but with everything even clinical stuff mm -hmm. and so that was how i did it um whether or not i did it successfully i mean i think it's just it's hard i think it's it's a lot of effort and energy to to hire and interview and like review resumes and all of that um we've been i, I feel like we've been pretty fortunate with the people we've hired um but I, I, it's it's really like drain mentally draining um i kind of develop like i try to like do interviews the exact same way every time you know um but uh but yeah it's it's a lot of work and and i think it's just just using resources to figure out what what needs to be done and, and how to go about it but um but yeah it's it's tough it, it's one of the hardest parts i think yeah, yeah. What, what actually is nice is a lot of the people we've hired is like recommendations from other people oh, like nice. yeah so like our first hire was a recommendation from like a high school friend of mine the most recent hire that we had was actually like somebody i went to middle school elementary school with what? yeah yeah so That's like so cool. Yeah, so I, I feel like um, one thing that's unique about our office is it's very uh, social media based and, and you know, we're, we're a pretty young office in general um, compared to other dental offices. And so um, the most success we've had with hiring is from announcing on social media that we're hiring. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think some people might think it's like a negative thing that I'm hiring somebody I went to school with in middle school, you know, but... Um, it's worked out okay so far, um, and it, it kind of helps um, keep us like as a tight knit family too. That we kind of all know each other. My hygienist, I went to high school with, yes. so uh, yeah, she was in the same year as uh, my wife. So wow, that is really yeah. pretty cool, actually. Yeah. I mean, um, when I was in school, I remember feeling um, really sometimes bad for 
the other students um, that were in my class that were from Portland, you know, because they were still expected to be studying their brains out and go to like the niece's birthday party. And, yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and yeah. It was like a huge exam and it was like the week after Mother's Day. And mm -hmm. I was like, thank God I don't have to, you know, ask my mom if I could not go to dinner or something like yeah. that because um, I know they were having a really hard time with that. And, um, but on the other hand, then to be practicing in a place that you're so familiar with um, and to have the benefit of, you know, having people that really know you so that um, they can kind of trickle into your practice. That's actually really cool. Yeah, I actually think it's, it's actually been really awesome because um, a lot of the patients, I wouldn't say a lot, but like a good amount of the patients that we see, especially in the beginning, it, it really helped when we first opened. Mm -hmm. But I have some patients that like I haven't seen since middle school. And they're like, yeah, they're like, hey, you're a dentist now, you know, I'll come to you. Yeah. So that's, what's kind of cool about it. Like there's just some people that like, I, um, I just reconnected with because, because they needed a dentist, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I do see quite a bit of dancers as well. And so it's kind of nice to like, just because, um, I'm not, uh, I'm not as active as I used to be. It's kind of nice to just be able to catch up with people and see how they're doing, see how like things are going, you know? Um, but yeah, I do want to change that though. I do want to start dancing again. So. Yeah, we have to get you dancing. <laughs> to call up who's um who are the people that you like to dance with here in Portland? Um well, I have a um a crew that I grew up dancing with, um Moon Patrol crew, so uh so it's actually my brothers and and some other guys that I grew up with. So I definitely would say that it would be them that I would uh dance with the most and enjoy dancing with the most and yeah, for sure. Do you know other um, other B boys, B girls in Portland? Um, you know, really, uh, the the dancers that I know are B boys, B girls that are in kind of performance companies. So okay. I wouldn't say that I'm like great friends with them, but just like mm -hmm. that I have been around and have an awareness of like Decimus and um, Malik oh. and um, you know people that. Um, are also doing kind of staged work um, is kind of what I'm more familiar with mm -hmm. um, in terms of, of breaking. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I've always thought it would be so fun to um, have kind of like a dance exchange. Yeah. You know, just um, share, be like, okay, these are the basics for like this style. Yeah. Um, because we bring whatever stylistic um, technique we have learned from a particular thing, but if you're a mover, you're a mover. You can kind of figure most things out, you know? Right, right. You have me balancing on my big toe, and <laughs> I may not be able to do that. You can do it. You definitely can do it. Yeah, yeah. we'll have to do some stretches. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, you were mentioning earlier um, about people that you contact and call when you need some help. Do you feel like you have um, an official mentor or have you tried to gain one? Um, I would say that I have many official mentors. I think it's also from having a dance background where um, it's kind of like what you said, right? Like 
you talk, you mentioned like Cypher, you mentioned it's, it exchanges and you kind of mentioned um, just like teaching others and, and learning from others. I kind of have always had that mindset. And so it never really left me. And so like, I'm constantly like, huh, how do, you know, like, how do I do this a little bit? Like, um, in a better way or, you know, like things like that. And then I'll, I'll reach out to, to people and ask them how they do it, you know, mm-hmm. um, not just clinically, but like everything, like hiring, like things like that. So I kind of have always had that mindset. And I think it's just from like being in a dance background, I've always just kind of been humble about like, I, I never am just like, I can do this by myself. It's never like that. That's not the, the culture that, that dance is, right? Um, it's about exchanges. And so I think I've just continued that without even thinking about it. I've never really said it out loud, but I feel like maybe that's the reason why um, I have so many people I reach out to probably more than, than the normal dentists, yeah. you know, so. That's really cool. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you were pretty supported by your community and your family to become a dentist was there ever a time where you felt like you weren't um well i think thinking about my family i think i know that like when we were younger my dad wasn't very supportive of um dance but once he saw that um we were all kind of um using it and and um kind of going on a path where you know, it was something that would benefit the community in one way or another and, and just saw like our passion and like whatever we put into. Um, I think he kind of started to lighten up and, and start to um, approve, you know. Um, what's funny is my dad, I mean, he's a social worker, but he actually is a musician. Um, and he, in Vietnam, he was a big musician. And uh, when he came over um, to the States, he uh he did quite a bit of weddings when i grew up like he taught music lessons out of our house we always had like 20 students like every saturday morning after work he'd get off at 4 30 yeah. and he would be uh he would be teaching and then he's also a janitor too my parents were janitors you know and so like he would work his social work job and he would teach teach uh music and then he would also uh you know play gigs like lots of weddings sometimes like casinos he had his own band, you know. Wow, that's um, what instruments yeah. does he play? Uh, so his main uh, instrument is piano, but he actually he plays like everything. He teaches everything. It's a big part of his life. And so I, I always kind of like thought it was interesting that he hated uh, the fact that we danced because yeah. it kind of was like a translation of <laughs> him, you know, like yeah. we learned it from him. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But yeah. I think as we grew older, he started to realize that it was it was his fault that we enjoyed dancing <laughs> And so you lined up on it. Yeah. You were like, I blame you, Dad. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So because of that, was there a lot of variety in the kind of music that was in your house? Um, yeah, I would say so. I kind of grew up, like, listening to everything. I kind of appreciate anything that I can dance to, you know? Um, I, I just, you, again, going back to you mentioning the exchanges, like I really appreciate like different dances in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. I think just like being able to experience other cultures and experience other dance styles. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I actually do wish that I like learned more different types of dances, you know? Um, 
but uh but yeah i think i think in general like we've always had like different types of we've been exposed to different types of music for sure like because he he taught us like classical music you know um the good foundations yeah yeah so so yeah i I think we grew up being exposed to different types of music do you play any instruments yeah i do yes like i grew up playing the piano um guitar and I also learned how to play like the trumpet for a little bit, the violin. Um, I can't really play the violin anymore, but, but yeah, uh, I think the main ones is the piano and the guitar. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. I I tried. Um, I've been trying to learn how to play guitar. Yeah. Um, and specifically flamenco guitar. Nice. Um, so that I could. There's kind of these like um, shorter songs that are kind of more like party songs that um, you can do like small, you know, like in anywhere from a minute and a half to three minute dances. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the types of songs that like play all night and everyone like everybody knows them and everybody dances to them and mm-hmm. um, super fun. And so I thought, well, we're in quarantine. I'm not going to be in the dance studio. Um, yeah. I may as well still be working on yeah. my art form, but from this other perspective. and. I have to say that um, learning or trying the beginning, right, of learning how to play guitar really changed my dancing a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, I kind of wish I'd done that sooner. Um, yeah, but it was cool, cool to see the effect. Yeah. That's what's cool about dance. I think you, you bring your life experiences into it, right? Have you been, um, have you, st- have you been dancing, um, I know that you mentioned you're not in the studio right now. Are you are you dancing at home? No, I live in the thir- in a third floor apartment. Okay. And actually, the guy that lives below me, he and his partner, um, he's from Spain, and so he knows that I dance flamenco. He's really excited about it. He actually plays flamenco guitar too. What are the odds? Cool. <laughs> um, and so they're actually pretty understanding. So there's one class that I try to take, but I take it on a, a rubber mat with no shoes on which is like the most unflamenco thing you could do. Um, and so, but I do it just to like keep, um, keep my mind and body in it. Um, but I was actually asked to do two concerts this summer. Um, and because of all the social distance, it needed to just be me and uh, our musical director. And um, so they were solos. The, so this summer I did the most solos I'd ever done, like mm-hmm. probably in my whole dance career. <laughs> wow! Um, because of the demands of COVID. Yeah. And so that was really interesting, um, you know. But I had to take like a piece of wood out to Laurelhurst Park to be able to practice the footwork. You know, I was like trying to get as far away from like really annoying somebody. Um, but it was, you know a little awkward i was like near the duck pond at like five in the evening with entire laurelhurst community like hanging out at the park yeah and you know we me with my headphones on like trying to go over choreography right Um, and so you know i was really missing the dance studio (laughs) Mm -hmm. where you're just like a little bit more private you know yeah all of your mistakes in private definitely but you know, but in general, I think kind of similar to you, like dance is just part of who I am. Like I dance my way up the stairs. I dance my way through the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. 
um, you know, it just is really, truly just a part of how I express myself. It's a different um, bit of communication, you know. Um, and so even though it feels like physically far from, from me studio-wise, um, you know, like it doesn't give me any fears of losing track of it. Yeah. Um, because it's just so truly a part of who I am. Like it's not, um, it's not kind of like an aside, it's like a barnacle. It's like permanently affixed, you know? So yeah, but it's, it's been really hard uh, yeah, um, to change so many things about our lives yeah. during this time. Yeah, it's like I was I was just talking to someone else about it the other day. It's like we're forced to limit like the best part of life. You know what I mean? Like human interaction and like things that like restaurants, you know, like food, like things that like make life great, you know? Yeah. And it's like that's the stuff that's affected. Like now we can only, you know, do stuff like online and like through through like a screen, you know, and it's just it's tough. I know I actually had a patient tell me that they were so excited to see like our appointment on the calendar because it meant that they were going to get out of the house and like, yeah. actually interact yeah. with somebody. And yeah. um, and also something another patient said was like, you know, they live alone and they don't have um, a pet. Um, and they were like, you're the only person that's touched me since March. Mm. And I was just like, you know so grateful for the mindfulness that I've learned around touch and um, the people that have really impressed on me, like how valuable, like positive touch with like kind regard, you know, like all the things that you're transmitting through that. Yeah. And um, when they told me that I was just like, you know, it just, it, the meaning of it in terms of us offering care and um, being present with our patients and, um, you know, and in this case, like, um, touching them for treatment and things like that. I was like, sometimes we don't even fully appreciate, like, all the ways that what we do is meaningful to folks. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, it left me... It left me feeling all kinds of things. I was just like, gosh, you know, yeah. um, like so wonderful that she has a place, a place to come. And then also like, this is unprecedented, you know, um, we've all like, or not, that's a big assumption, but there's, you know, the studies about the preemies that the preemies that don't get touched die because touch is so essential for our nervous system. And you know, as adults, we're in a better situation for that, but it's still such a big deal right. um, to be so separate from folks. Yeah. Yeah. I have high hopes, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, I talked to my great aunt the other day. She lives yeah. in San Francisco. Uh -huh. And I was like, Thea, Thea is what we call our aunts. I was like, did you ever, did you ever think something like this would happen in your lifetime? And she was like, honey, no, and I've been through a lot, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, yeah, this is, this is definitely 2020 is going to go down in, in history for a while is like yeah. probably one of the most bizarre years. <laughs> yeah.
definitely. And I hope, I hope COVID gets better sooner than later, you know? Yeah. I hope things get better sooner than later. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm definitely um, rooting for all of our scientists and um, wellness and healthcare providers and scientists, developers of vaccines. Like I'm rooting for them right now. You know, I'm like, come on, show us what you got. Yeah, <laughs> like let them loose, you know, they've been preparing for this their whole life. Like, right. <laughs> the most important like year for them to figure everything out, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, you ready to do a little rapid fire round? Sure. Okay. Um, what would you still like to learn in life? Um, a lot of stuff, everything, a lot. I don't know, I can't think of anything specific, but I feel like there's so much in life to learn still, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. Mindset of always a student. Yes. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, if you hadn't become a doctor, what do you think you would be doing right now? Um, I thought about being like a school counselor, like a counselor of some kind. Yeah. Um, or I actually really like design too. So maybe like graphic design or, you know, just some sort of like design. Yeah. Some sort of art, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> um, what brings you joy? Uh, smiling babies right now. Yeah. Smiling babies. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations yeah. Thank on you. daddyhood. Yeah. <laughs> it's been awesome. Oh, my gosh. Well, Hugh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on and chatting and sharing your story and um, really just allowing us to have this, this moment of um, shared time. Time is so valuable right now. Um, Definitely. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it's been awesome. And I just, uh, I really appreciated you even thinking of me. So thanks for, thanks for having me on your podcast, so. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. We'll see you soon. See you soon. <laughs> Bye. Hi. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. Please follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if this episode hit home for you, let us know. We would love to hear how these stories reach you. Hey Doc Podcast is recorded at the Portland Center Stage Digital Streaming Studio with the AV Engineering, Logo Design, Website, theme music, and editing all done by the incomparable Jonas Angelette and invaluable technical savvy of Katie Wen and Greg Lee. Instagram and TikTok management is brought to you by the fantabulous Jen Thompson. And if you want to see the faces of these BIPOC docs, you can watch the podcast on Haydoc Podcast website, and you can listen on all of your favorite podcast streaming sources. Check out our fun posts of your favorite BIPOC docs on the Instagram page and watch them bust and move on TikTok. Thank you for every listen, share, like, and emoji. I am super grateful to all of you that tune in to listen and to all the wonderful docs that come share their stories. See you next time, friends.